Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. As always, this podcast is on Apple Podcasts app, iTunes, Google Play, as well as SoundCloud. But we're sitting here on a Monday today and we just had our first football Sunday of the year. So I will give you my thoughts on that. But we have much more to talk about in today's episode of the Sports Blog New York podcast. I had the chance to sit down with a man by the name of Khalil McDonald, a Queens native who just starred in the show The Last Shot, which shows on Vicelands on Monday nights, as well as on the Viceland app, or even the first episode of the show is on YouTube. But what I recommend to you right now is to hop on YouTube and just simply watch a trailer. Type in Viceland The Last Shot trailer or The Last Shot trailer. Just watch a quick minute video of a sneak peek of what this show entails. We got to talk to Khalil for about an hour, and we got to learn about his experience traveling, not just into Mexico for local tournaments for prize money and international recognition, but also moving to Spain and growing up in New York City and what he does in his career now. It was a fascinating conversation and a great interview. I was very, very pleased, and I thank Khalil McDonald uh, for sitting down with me and getting to chat, learn about basketball, not only from the perspective of the NBA, but from talent across the world and even something as interesting and unknown as local tournaments in the heart of Mexico, documented by nobody else but Viceland. It's something that you can't miss, so hopefully you stay tuned for that interview. But before we get to that interview with Khalil McDonald, i got to give you guys my thoughts on NFL Week 1. Because we came here last week, and we gave you our picks. I sat down with Mike Palmasano and Phil DeMeo. We released the episode on Friday. It's something that we're going to be doing throughout this football season, giving you guys our best picks of the week. So let's do a quick little recap of how we did this week. So if you, don't, if you didn't listen, you can go listen back, or you can just listen right now for a little recap. My, our man Mike Palmasano, Uncle Mike as we're calling him during betting season, he wasn't very touchy. He didn't want to touch a lot of games, but he was very specific about the games he would want to put money on. So he said no thanks to a slew of games. He said, I'm not touching that one, and I'm not even thinking about it. But the games that he did pick include these right here. So he said Uncle Mike's week one picks are Green Bay, minus three over Seattle, winner for Uncle Mike. Carolina, five and a half over San Fran, another winner for Uncle Mike. So two, is it going to be three? No, it is not. If you did not remember, our man Uncle Mike, Mike Palmasano, was very high on the Steelers, and they were minus nine, and uh, that didn't work out too well for them. They ended up playing a pretty tight game with Cleveland. Deshaun Kaiser and Cleveland showed up and competed. Steelers are a little rusty. 21-18, they still got the W, so the Steelers are happy. But if you followed Uncle Mike's picks, you're still happy, though, because he got two out of three. And let's be real. If you're winning two out of three bets, you're doing a damn good job. So Uncle Mike, shout out. Let's go over to Phil. His number three I mean, his three locks of the week included the L.A. Rams minus uh, three and a half, which I think bumped up to four and a half, over the Indianapolis Colts. Great pick, Phil. Good job. One one and zero oh for Phil. Then he said Atlanta minus seven over Chicago. Very close. Liked his reasoning. Just missed. If you bet Atlanta, oh man, it's a really tough one. They played okay. I think Chicago played better than people expected. Mike Lennon really competed. And let's be honest. The Bears had a real chance to win that game. So 
we talked about the Super Bowl hangover and how nervous we were for it with the Falcons. Maybe there are some nerves, even though they got the W. Chicago competed. Mike Lennon showed up. Let's see when Trubisky comes out. But Atlanta did not cover Phil. Sorry, one and one for now. But your last pick, well done. Green Bay over Seattle. That makes you two out of three as well. Phil also picked every single game. He didn't specify until those three, the ones he truly liked the most. So those are his three big picks. And now lastly, my big three picks of the day. I also said Pittsburgh. So Uncle Mike, my man, I'm joining you. Pittsburgh could not get the job done for us betting on them. But they got the job done for themselves. They have the dub. I also picked Carolina. Got that one easy money. And my big bet of the week was Detroit. Detroit plus two. I heard a lot of people on Arizona and I stuck with it. I thought Matt Stafford was going to come out and show up. I got a little nervous after the pick six. But my man stayed steadfast to the game plan, got his guys involved, ended up throwing a bunch of touchdowns, and basically dominated Arizona for most of that game. The score might have not even been as close as it wasn't because they ended up winning by 12. Could have been more than that, if you ask me. So Detroit, good job. Actually hit a great little parlay on the side, which was awesome for me in week one, paying for my fantasy league if you know what I mean. But lastly, we have Uncle Mike's week one teaser. Very fun. And let's see if he hit it. Giants plus 17 over Dallas. Uncle Mike, job well done. Job well did. You made it by the skin of your teeth. Next, Vikings plus 10 over New Orleans. We're still waiting for that one. That's the last straw because Atlanta plus 6.5 hit. Carolina plus 4.5 hit. Uncle Mike's week one teaser is three out of four. It's Monday right now. Let's see if he hits Vikings plus 10 over New Orleans. And if you followed my Uncle Mike's week one teaser, you are on the right track, my friend, for a nice, easy win. So that was, those were our big bets from last week's Friday podcast. We're going to be doing that every week. And just some other things to note. I'm going to talk about the Giants real quick before we get to this Khalil McDonald interview because you guys really got to hear this. My man Khalil was a lot of fun to talk to. Very interesting and has such a good perspective traveling from Queens to Spain all over America throughout his career as well as now into Mexico for different tournaments, different competition. It was very, very cool to talk to him. So stay tuned for that. We're going to get there in just a minute. But my last note before we get to it is about the New York football giants. And if you watch that game, even if you watch a quarter, you can kind of say you watch the whole thing because the Giants couldn't get going on offense. The glaring issue that everybody expected was there. Couldn't get a run game, couldn't get much pass protection, which makes it hard for those receivers to get open, and it makes it hard for Eli to get comfortable when throwing the ball. The New York Giants have to figure something out, and it's simple. Block somebody because their defense flies around for the ball and you got to be pretty happy with what the Giants defense did even though they gave up 19 points that's not too shabby the New York Giants want to be back in the playoffs this year it ain't the defense and it's really simple to say it's the offense and starts up front in the trenches and my last note on the Giants that first one is super obvious I think everybody who watched even a half a quarter, can understand that that was a problem. But Odell Beckham Jr. might be one of three guys in this NFL who aren't quarterbacks and who affect their team 
more than a point per game. I'm talking Vegas spreads here, right? So you got Andrew Luck in the Colt game, and Andrew Luck is ruled out. There's a five, six-point swing of which way that game's going from the Vegas spread, right? Now you can go in and say Le'Veon Bell. You can say Devonta Freeman. You can say this great running back. You can say Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. If they come out, even with how good they are and how much they mean to their team, there ain't no way they're changing a spread more than a half a point and maybe, maybe a full point. I think after tonight, or last night, depending when you're listening, because I'm recording late night on Sunday, I think after Sunday night, we might see that Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the very, very few, one, two, or three guys who aren't a quarterback and who have that much effect on how Vegas thinks the outcome of the game will end up. So we got to see if Odell stays healthy, and if he misses some games, we might be seeing a really sad Giants offense. Because it's hard for me to believe that it would have been that stagnant with Odell getting as much attention as he does. Because even if he gets three catches for 60 yards and really gets swaddled, he gets held down, he gets held back, with all the attention on him, it makes it a lot easier for Engram and Shepard and Marshall, who is non-existent, and Vereen and Perkins to get going. Because every single play, the safeties, the backers, they're saying, where's 13, man? Eyes on 13. Where is he going? Where is he lined up? What's he going to do? I don't know if it's the situation. I don't know if it's because the O-line's that bad and he does that much. But Odell Beckham Jr. might be the only non-quarterback in the league to be worth more than a point per game to his team, according to Vegas odds. Tell me what you think about that. My Twitter's at P. Kennedy. Two Y's on the end. Our Twitter's at SportBlogNYC. As you know, SportsBlogNewYork.com holds all of our great content. But seriously, stay tuned for this interview with my man Khalil McDonald from Viceland's The Last Shot. Premieres Mondays, 10 p.m. Or go on YouTube, watch the first episode for free. Go to the Viceland app, sign up with your TV provider information, and you can watch that show. It's called The Last Shot. It's on Viceland, and you're about to learn a whole lot more about it. So stay tuned, and as always, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me and to sportsblogging.com, so keep showing up, keep telling us what you think, tell your friends, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hello and welcome to the SBNY Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. And today's a very special episode of the SBNY Podcast because we have a special guest and it is hopefully the first of many of this format. I'm here to interview Khalil McDonald of Viceland's The Last Shot. It's a great TV show that you're going to learn a lot about today if you haven't already seen it. But without further ado, let me bring Khalil in. Khalil, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's amazing. First off, I want to say, just to give a little background, let's talk about the show. Right? Because right. whether people saw a trailer, they saw a couple episodes, or maybe they saw nothing at all, let's give them a little background. So I'll, I'll start, and then you can pick up where I leave off. So basically what this show is all about is a group of basketball players from the U.S., from all over America, T 
team up and go down to Mexico to play in a number of different tournaments to make some money and to get some international recognition. And you were one of those select U.S. basketball players to be chosen and recorded on Vice Lands at the last shot to go down to Mexico. And you balled out. And you did what you had to do. And you joined a team of people from all across America. What was this whole experience like? Oh, man. This is an, it's an experience that is like no other. I mean, I've played across the waters. I have some friends that are across the waters. And when I explain this experience... Is, is none like no other because uh, just simply we had a film crew following us. So no matter where we went, it was it just it was a different dynamic. Even if we were going to a bus station, coming out the airport, going to get something to eat. Once anyone sees like you know tons of camera equipment following you, it's just they want to see what it's about. So just that alone right there, it just. It just changed up the whole dynamic. And being in about 15 cities in Mexico, it, whoa, it, you really get a, a good view on what Mexico really is about culturally. Um, you get a sense of the people, what are, what they're like overall. Because like going to one city, that, you know, like people from New York, they could say the same a certain way. People from F- Florida, you could say the same way. People from California, you could say the same way. But just to get the full view of Mexico, it was, it was really a fulfilling feeling that I know most people don't get to get. Yeah, and just to go off that, um, you weren't at a resort in Mexico, right? So people who may be familiar with Mexico from vacations with their families will have a very different perspective than you know the places where you were playing in these tournaments and really spending time with locals. So it was definitely a different animal. Um, so one more question quick about that before, you know, I want to kind of get into your background to give some context to what brought you here, right? So I wanted to find out how you found out about these tournaments and all that stuff. Um, but first I want to ask, before we get to some background, what was it like to team up with all these people from America, from across the country? And did you know them beforehand, before you became international teammates? Or did you really get to know a lot of these people in Mexico? Um, I got to know them down there in Mexico. It wasn't, I didn't know any of them from beforehand. Uh, it was a great experience teaming up with them because they say New York is the mecca of basketball. And this is where basketball was raised. So, like, I know, I know the sense of style that we play in New York, but even going one state down, New Jersey is different from playing, which one of my, t- my teammates, uh, Tony Dixon, was from. And then another teammate we had was um, from Richmond, Virginia, and how they play basketball in Virginia is different. Another teammate's from Mississippi. And, whoa, when you when you start to go down south, man, those athletes are bred different. They're, like, always athletic and, you know, strong, jump, run fast, really good. And another teammate is from Beaumont, Texas. That was uh, Gerald. He plays really well. Um I met him for the first time. Josh Kyler is from Long Beach. And Ronald Washington, who actually came on after. He's from um, he's from uh, California as well. That's really interesting. And, I mean, you just mentioned the guys off the top of your head, and you mentioned people from New York, down south, all the way out west. And you, obviously, being from New York, and I'm also from New York. I, I know. I went to college in Jersey. I know you went to college at Queens College, so you stayed in the area. And I thought, I'm going to school in Jersey. It's not going to be too different. But even just being in the rec center, 
the way they shoot around is different. You know, the way they give respect or the way they give the extra layup. So I hear that. And then all you people from different areas combine, have to, you know, build chemistry. And then you get sent into Mexico for tournaments that get serious and physical and are for prize money. So it gets really, really intense. But before we get more into that, because I think it's awesome and we need to deep dive into, you know, the, the, the ball culture in Mexico and what it was like to play uh, that level of competition. But first, I want to I get back into your story a little bit. So you went to Campus Magnet, which is a school in Queens. I'm, I'm assuming pretty close to where you grew up. And then from there, you stayed nearby and went to Queens College. So can you talk us through you know, your basketball career before you graduated college? So through high school and through college, what was it like? Where, what was your, like, your level at? And what did you see in your future at that point? Oh man, it's a it's a, quite a funny story that kind of took a twist, or it, it took it's a different twist in the end. I would have never thought I would be in this position at a younger age. So um, when I went to high school, um, the reason why I, I went to I went to that school with four of my friends that I was in junior high school with, and we were all part of a basketball team that was kind of like a superpower team, and uh, we traveled. We did. Uh, travel AAU together, I mean, everything, nationals, and we went. Um, a mistake that we made, we should have all went to the same high school, but four of us, we did go to that high school. We had the opportunity to play varsity our freshman year, but we knew that we wouldn't get much playing time. So uh, only, one of, only one of us went, and his name was Nathaniel Wilson, but the rest of us, we stayed on JV to um, kind of develop our games. And um, basketball was always an extracurricular activity for me because I was a really good student. I Everything was above 90s. I never got any, anything below 85 in school. And um, all my friends knew that. All the teachers knew that. All the coaches recognized that. So basketball was always a plus. So I kind of had to lead by example. When I got to my sophomore year, um, I don't know. I did something amazing. I, I scored a quad. I not scored, but I did a quadruple double. Really? Yeah. Double you, put, you put Russell Westbrook to shame. <laughs> right. This was before Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a quadruple double, and then um, I guess from there, that's when people started to, you know, respect me more as a basketball player instead of like a scholar athlete, and. Um, I had offers to Columbia University, so that's where I was originally going to go. I went to, like, summer camps and everything. So I took my SATs my junior year, but I didn't prepare anything. I just I just went in and took it, you know. The day before, I came from a Sweet 16, and just the next day, I went in, you know. And I did pretty good. I scored a 14.50, and I figured, like, hey, with an 89 average and a 14.50, I'll be able to get in in school. Especially but, with basketball um, on top. Yeah, especially with the basketball on top. So I only took it once, and I never prepared for it. But um, in the last semester of school, Columbia, uh, they, they called me and told me that I had to take the SATs again because the requirement was a 1600. So I figured that was easy. I said, hey, I took uh, SATs when I was four, uh, 15, 16 years old. Now I'm basically 17. Let me prep. Let me take my SAT classes and do what I have to do. My SAT prep classes let me do what I have to do so, you know, I can go into Columbia. And the day of the SAT prep course, 
It's like that five minutes, man, that's the worst lie you can ever tell yourself. <laughs> so I woke up five minutes. I, I said, I, I, I'm just going to sleep for five minutes. And I woke up in time enough to eat breakfast, get ready. And I ran to school. And I got there because we had to go through metal detectors. Yeah. So I got there one minute late. And the proctor didn't let me take it. No way. Yeah, so that just changed that 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 one decision right there just changed my life. That that's a story that you don't ever want to hear for anybody. That that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with. How did you bounce back, and what were your next moves after that? Um, it was basically a fight because I kind of like turned down the other D three schools that I had because I just figured, hey, I'm going Ivy League. Like, all right, all my friends want to go D one, but this is D one, you know. So, just, just I was, I was solely sold on Columbia. So, um, my coach gave me a, um an opportunity. He knew the coach over at St. John's University, so he told me, hey, you you can go to St. John's. You can walk on. I'm sure they'll give you an academic scholarship. I don't know if he can give you an athletic scholarship, but you know, you, he'll be happy to have you on the team. So that was going to be the plan. But then I did a few exposure camps and I got a few offers, um, which Queens College being one of them. And everything that they told me and everything that they had to offer, it was just beautiful. Because, like, to have an apartment, they didn't have a dorm at the time. To have an apartment, that was on the plus side. And, hey, I still live in Queens. So, you know, to get away from home get away from my family and just have my own space. That was amazing. A good part of growing up, um, you know, to play in front of my friends and family, you know, I didn't have to like start all over with anything. Like everything was, I, I was in a place where I was heavily resourceful, you know? So absolutely. Just, yeah. It was all a plus for me going to Queens college. And, you know, so for me, my main thing to do was represent school uh, the way it should be represented, which is an academic school. So I made sure just to make sure they look good no matter where I went and just to represent for them. So That's awesome. So it sounds like to me, you know, you had your goal set for Columbia, which is an awesome place. You would have been having the best of both worlds, right? But you ended up at Queens College, and what I'm getting here is that that doesn't sit as a regret for you, right? That doesn't feel like a regret. That's something that you're more than happy with, how it worked out. Yeah, the reason why is because Queens College is actually great academically. Like, you have to have a what an eighty-seven average in order to get in. They call it the poor man's Harvard. Right. Like whoever can afford it, you know, you can go there if you have great good grades. So once I got there and I found success on the court, and like being that I was from Queens, they accepted me, and. Like, I mean, everywhere from the student body to the staff, to the athletic staff, to the faculty. I mean, it was just amazing. They provided me jobs, working as an intern with the Office of Convergent Technologies. I was a uh, director of basketball operations, assistant coach. It's just, it was just a great opportunity. So though Columbia was my ideal decision and my choice, Queens College, man, is, is, that's what I experienced, so I made the best out of it. That's awesome, and, and yeah. making the best out of the situation is always the way to go, and Queens College did not let you down one bit, and that's awesome to hear that 
Even in which what probably felt like a huge tragedy in the moment when you missed the SAT by however many minutes. One minute. It might have felt so huge and, and hard to deal with in that moment, but it all led you into a great place that led you, at this point now, international, you know, all these different countries playing basketball, which is, which is just an awesome story, and it seems to have uh, sculpted the person that I'm speaking to today. So that's really cool. But to start moving back into the show and going into Mexico – and again, I'm here with Khalil McDonald of Viceland's The Last Shot. Uh, it's a show where a team of USA basketball players join forces to go down to Mexico, play tournaments to win money, and gain some international recognition. So to segue back into that, Khalil, talk to me about the first couple days. When you first showed up to Mexico, you already mentioned how the camera crew was always with you, which makes everything feel a little bigger. But you were going for this brand new experience so just explain the first day, the first couple of days. What was that? What was that like to meet your teammates and to meet locals and just everything? Well, uh, the first day, I can start off with that. All right. So the first day, well, the first day was very exciting. I was actually the first person to land in, in, in the airport in Mexico in Guadalajara, and I, I didn't have any service down there. So I'm panicking, like, oh man, uh, I, I hope I didn't get here late and left. And how can I call people? Many people weren't speaking English. So I guess I kind of waited and I waited about an hour and a half. And then it's just, it's, it's a basketball thing, man. You know when you see basketball players. So I see Tony come and he has to duck his head and get through the door. <laughs> I see Gerald come in and Josh come in. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, I got to be, that, that has to be my teammates. All right. Yeah, so I went up to them. I'm like, hey, I'm Khalil. Are you out here for the last shot? And they were like, yeah, yeah. So we are just getting to know each other. And I'm looking at each and every one of these guys, and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a great experience. Like, I'm wondering, like, like who's going to be the guy on the team? Who's the best ball player? Or who's the one that's going to be great behind the camera? And I'm looking at them, and I'm kind of like, intimidated because I'm like man this guy has an awesome personality I'm looking at this guy like man this guy is so knowledgeable and I'm looking at this guy like yo this guy is fly (laughs) like man how am I gonna fit in so I just I just knew that um like in almost every situation I'm in like I've been prepared like you know like if 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 there's a situation that I'm thrown in that I'm not prepared for then Hey, I'm not prepared, and that's, you know, that's it. But if I feel like I was prepared, i got to be able to execute. So Absolutely. while I was down there, I just tried to make the best out of it. I tried to show as much as my personality. I tried to um, bring some New York flavor to it, and especially on the court. And, you know, just try to do the best I can to the best of my abilities. So you mentioned, you know, your flavor and the New York flavor, which we love, obviously, on the SBNY podcast, Sports Blog New York. That's our favorite thing to, to cover here is the New York soul and in, in the sports that we love. Um, so that, that makes me want to ask a question. And you mentioned how you got that quadruple double and also mentioned what was that fourth stack. I'm very curious. The basketball fan in me is very curious. But describe what your style of play is like. So what what kind of player are you like? I know you're a, a decent-sized person. Maybe if you know NBA standards, you're not the biggest guy, but compared to you know maybe competition in Mexico, you're like, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, is that correct? Yeah, six six and three quarters, but no one's counting. Right? <laughs> that was just a, a lucky guess, I guess. But 
describe your style of play. Like, do you have any NBA comparisons for your game? What type of player are you? And also, how did it translate to that style uh, of tournament play in Mexico? All right, so I can tell you my, my – I can say top four. I can't say top five. All right, I'll give it top five. I'll say um, Tim Duncan, Evan Garnett, Tracy McGrady, Michael Jordan. And I guess for the last one, I'll say, like, it'll be between Allen Iverson and Shaq. <laughs> Those are your five style that you tried to, you know, craft your game off of? Yeah, the reason I like Allen Iverson so much is because, like, I'm the type of player, like, if we're down by 10, you can put the ball in my hands, and I'm going to make sure that, you know, we win this game. You're going to get a bucket. Yeah, and I, I have no problem doing that six, seven, eight times, nine times in a row. Like, when it's time to focus, I can be able to lock in, you know? So, um, and Shaq, because I just like Shaq's personality. I just think, like, he's always himself. And that's, that's just one thing I always admire, like Charles Barkley growing up. He'll do an interview and he says what he wants, you know? And in this world of just being politically correct, it's kind of like you hear the same thing over and over and over again. So it's okay to be politically correct, but what's, what's going to make yourself different from everyone? So you have to bring that, you know, that individuality to the table. Of course. That's awesome. And I know I actually recently had a conversation on this this exact podcast about Kevin Durant and saying how this year after the whole Golden State and all the drama, he seemed to kind of give up on making people happy and started really speaking his mind. And to me, like I'll take that. That's I'll take the more sincere Kevin Durant than him trying to make people happy. So kind of like what you're describing, political correct is fine, but be yourself. And that's awesome to hear uh, that you were able to bring that down into Mexico. So I remember, and this is just from one of the trailers, so I don't want to give stuff away because there's still episodes out on Viceland. Uh, you can even look up this trailer on YouTube, and there was something where you were saying how we're the U.S. We're from America. We need to come in here and play hard. We need to play fast. And you basically made the statement of we're the ones from the U.S. We need to come in here and show them how it's done. Do you, do you consider that almost like just a, a pride thing, a confident thing, a chip on your shoulder? What does it mean for you to come from the greatest basketball country in the world to go into this international world of basketball and kind of get your back against the wall every once in a while. Do you want me to be honest with you? Of course, I want nothing less than honesty. I think that mean, it means it doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, I just know that basketball is basketball. It's just levels. Because so, no matter if you're playing in the Pee Wee League, JV, varsity, college, or professional, basketball is basketball. Because you have to dribble, shoot, play defense, but it's just different levels. So I just what I expected was to be on a different level. That's exact, That's what I meant with saying, hey, we're from the USA because, you know, we produce the best basketball out the world, so to say. But, but then, like, you can see throughout the decades that international players come here and find a great amount of success. And especially, like, from traveling around, and man, you really find some great international players everywhere you go. So I was actually surprised when I went out there to see the style of play because it's more organized. It's less athletic. But I, I, I kind of knew that's the advantage America has, like, over the international, so to say. But it's less athletic, but their fundamentals are sky high. Like, they're not necessarily dribbling to go and get a layup. 
they're dribbling to create for someone else. And all of, when all the five players do that, it's hard to guard because you need to be good defensively as a team rather than individually. If the team isn't, isn't there um, defensively, then it makes it hard to stop the, the opposing team. Absolutely. And, you know, you just mentioned how you want to just play your game with your style, right? You want to be yourself. And you mentioned the, it's the international players who come here who do find success. They don't find it by trying to play like Americans play. They, they find that success by coming over here and playing their brand of basketball and kind of putting their own imprint on, on the game itself. When you think about some of the best international players, they all have like their, their sense of swag or the, their style. So that, that's pretty interesting for you to say that, that, you know, we may overall have the best, but everyone's style is different, and on any given day, a certain style could have an advantage. So that, that's super interesting. And real quick, I want to ask you, have you played internationally everywhere, anywhere else than Mexico? Spain. You played in Spain. That's some good competition out there. What was that like? Uh, it, was, it was beautiful because I was in the Canary Islands in Tenerife, and just like being on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean and just witnessing life out there, because although we were in um, Spain, it's like Tenerife, the Canary Islands is right off the coast of Africa. So you find like a blend of indigenous people of the islands, you find a blend of um, Africans from di different countries, and you find a blend of your Spanish natives. So just just going there is just beautiful. And it's the same weather all year round, so how can you not love a place like I didn't want to come back. That sounds pretty good to me. Hey, don't worry, that's my phone. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, that sound there. No worries, though. Uh, th that's really interesting talking about Spain. So you were in Spain. You were in Mexico. How's your Spanish? All right. So in Spain, I wasn't really trying to <laughs> learn Spanish. I just stuck close to uh, the my teammates who knew Spanish, which were a lot at the time. But now in Mexico, oh man, I I I don't know what it was, but I wanted to learn Spanish this time. So everywhere I went, I was just asking questions. I would practice my Spanish. Even if it wasn't good, you learn to talk with your hands and people understand you. So do you consider yourself, you know, conversational at this point? Can you get Can you get by? Um, you know, yeah, with basic things, you know. Basic things. I, get, I took French in school growing up, so I, I actually went into Spain and Mexico really knowing you know, poquito espanol. <laughs> so if anything, you were probably a little more confused by having some French thrown in your head. Yeah, but that, that's the thing uh, that actually helped me out while I was in Spain. Is, um, like I said, um, we were off the coast of Africa, and believe it or not, man, those, those Africans out there, they speak like five languages. Dude. Well, they're like, so close, right? They're so close to all these different countries. Yeah, like they speak English, Spanish, French, their native language, and... You know, maybe like something else. But they, 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 off the bat, the English may not be good, but I was able to uh, communicate with them through French, and then they'll they'll speak Spanish to the Spanish people. So it's like, yeah. Wow, that, that's fascinating. And you know what? This for you, obviously, you're a basketball player, and you're playing at very high levels across the world, right? But there's obviously a man behind the basketball player, Khalil McDonald. Not just the guy from the show, The Last Shot of Iceland, but just the guy in general. So yeah. I want to talk about a non-basketball topic real quick. What do, you, what do you feel about your worldview after living in Spain and living in Mexico? When you come back here, 
what has it done for you as as a man, as a person, rather than just as a basketball player? I think traveling brings a sense of sophistication. Like when you can go somewhere and you can have an understanding of you know people, society, nation, even government, the political views, how it works. I think that it opens your mind and it allows you to, uh, so to say, see through a different light. Because um, being that I went to high school in Queens, college in Queens, like I, I knew it kind of stripped me from the like the experience that some of my friends went going away to California, you know, studying abroad. So uh, I always liked to tra- travel when I was younger. So I always, always figured that, like, hey, after college, after I'm done, I would like to travel the world and be able to experience everywhere. And I saw that being, like, um, I saw basketball being my outlet to doing that, you know? Of course. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, you also looked at it uh, as a way to support yourself, right? So I mentioned how it's bigger than basketball, but you incorporate basketball into other things in your life. So we'll talk about this a little later, but just to mention it now, you actually have your, your own non-for-profit, Train with Khalil, and you have other things going on in your life, and all these things can get enhanced by all the experiences you have. Um, but something that you mentioned in the show, and like I said, I don't want to give spoilers away, but these aren't true spoilers because we want people to go watch the show. But you did mention your mother in the show and how you would love to be able to come back with something to show for her, to make her proud and to give her something. Um, how much of a role did, did does she play in your in your life, your basketball life, and, the re- and bring in the rest of your family and friends as well? You know, my mother, she's an amazing woman. Like, when I mean amazing, I mean phenomenal. Because it's, I didn't get, get, I guess I didn't realize it growing up, but once you just like, when you're raised by so much love from a mother, it's like, I grew up and it's like, even the women I run into, it's like, man, my mother's amazing. Like, this, I know what a woman's supposed to be like, you know? So it's like, I guess through the love that she gave me, it just, it, it made me a better man, you know, because it, it just taught me, like, how to really, not to say love a woman, but how to, like, really treat and cherish someone because she really, you know, love and cherishes me, you know, so just to, just to get that feeling, I don't want to do anything but to make her feel happy and fulfilled. That's awesome. I think that's something that basically anyone can, can, hear and feel the same way you know everyone has those special people in their life who inspired them and pushed them to be better in all aspects so it's great to hear something like that for you even though you're traveling all over the country all over the all over the world you still got her in your heart and in your head and trying to make her proud so that's that's pretty cool i wish she was there with me you know i wish she was there experienced some of this stuff that would just you know bring some delight to our heart that that would that would be something. And was that something that she would be interested in? Would she want to be traveling through Mexico, or is she cool uh, waiting for the episodes to come out? <laughs> yeah, my, my mother, she works really hard, and when she comes home, she watches the news. So I don't know if she feels comfortable traveling to certain places. But I would love for her to, you know, like just get get her like security or something. <laughs> Absolutely, the camera people will watch out. <laughs> yeah. So I I want to hop back into the show aspect of this. So the show's on Viceland. It's called The Last Shot. And you mentioned basically in the opening, the first question, how from from step one, from the first moment down there when you have a camera crew following you around, asking you questions, the whole nine, right? 
So you you don't only have to perform on the court, right? Because you're a basketball player down there. But at this point, with Viceland involved, you're also, in a sense, a reality TV star, right? So you don't have to perform for just the basketball court. You have to perform for cameras and, you know, show who you are and be Kalu McDonald, show people who that is. What was it like dealing with both sides of that, the basketball and the cameras following around? Uh, the basketball, that part would be, not to say easy, but that's like, you know, every day. That comes natural. Yeah, that comes natural. But being Khalil, even came even more natural, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> because, I'm, uh, uh, all right, to be honest, um, it was, at first it was kind of, it was kind of nerve-wracking. Just to have all those cameras around me, I'm like, hey, do I have a booger in my nose? Or, <laughs> hey, like, um, if I mess up, I'm starting to get a little antsy, start sweat, my hands start to sweat a little. You know, they tell you not to look into the lens, you know, just look forward. And a lot of times I'm looking at the lens because I feel like someone's watching me, you know? Because so, they are watching you. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's something to get adjusted to being in front of the camera, yes. But once I got used to it, man, it's like, I was, I just kind of psyched myself out to make sure, like, all right, these cameras aren't here. Like, I, I have to be myself. Absolutely. You know? So, I mean, I guess that's why you're so comfortable in front of the microphone right now, huh? I, I think it's, it's because <laughs> like, I do, like, a lot of, like, public speaking that I, 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 talk, with, um, I talk with the kids that I train. I, I have a few basketball teams that I coach. I do, like, large group trainings where there may be, like, 60 kids, 100 kids. And when you have to talk, you have to, you know, they have to believe. You have to influence a lot of people. So once, you know, I'm used to doing that. So, And especially with the younger ones, you know, their attention spans aren't always the best. I hear you. I actually coached, I coached myself freshman in high school. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get them to pay attention. You got to take command, right? Like you said, you got to make them believe. Um, yeah. Now I want to ask about your team. You mentioned a bunch of the guys before on, on your team down there. Did uh, What did your role become on that team? So like down in Mexico, you guys are playing in all these different tournaments. Did you find yourself filling the role on the basketball court and as a leader that you always filled your entire life in high school and college? Or did you kind of just mesh a different way with these guys in Mexico? How did that all work, the chemistry on the court? Well, whenever I join a new team, there's a few things that I like to do. That I know that have brought me success in the, in the beginning because I know that I bring leadership qualities. I know that you know I can be dominant. I know that I can influence others. I know that I can make other players better. But I always have to like every team is not the same, so you have to kind of figure out what's happening. So we actually landed on Friday and played on Saturday. Wow. So that was actually tough because not only we didn't know each other, but we didn't know what to expect. You know. So um, once once we started working out and getting into the gym, we started to get a sense of who who, uh, who each other were, and especially like when we were um, hanging out, like in front of the camera, just going out to eat. You know that also plays a big part in um, team bonding. So I just made sure to be myself, bring New York player. Like, look, um, you know I love you, but when we on this court. I'm going to be down your neck, you know, I'm going to yell at you, I'm going to punch you in your chest, you know, I'm gonna, if, you, if you're slacking, I'm going I'm to get behind you and push you and make sure you get up the court, I don't care if you're tired, because, like, 
if you're tired, then we're all tired. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, if, if one person on if one person on a team is, is down, then the other team would definitely notice that. And all they have to do is give the ball to that player to go at the person who's tired. You know, and that and you know, that's not necessarily an individual thing, it's a team thing. Right. So that, that's something that I I'm not in control of, but I, I can be an influence towards, you know. Yeah, of course. And how um, how did you feel? But how, what did, like this is what is really cool to me. So you're from New York. You're from New York City. You went to high school. You went to college. You then you went you know on your way to play basketball at all these different levels. But just to be able to go to another country and represent New York and to represent the U.S. is that something that you ever really pictured growing up? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, man. You know, how many times I've been in the mirror and I just imagine myself, you know, just being on a basketball court. Like, I still, to this day, walk through my house and through the furniture, I do basketball moves and imaginary basketball. You know, like, my favorite song comes on, I pick up a hairbrush and I'm, I'm singing all the lyrics, <laughs> you know? So, it's like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime that I'm sure a lot of people would be so grateful to be in. So I'm taking it and I'm taking it for what it is and I'm, I'm attacking it head on. It's sky's the limit. So while, while I'm out here, while I'm out there in Mexico and while I'm here just being Khalil for the rest of my life, I'm going to make the best out of every opportunity I take. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're trying to be Khalil at all times and that's exactly the way you should be. Uh, so you mentioned this is pretty fascinating that you showed up in Mexico on a Friday, and again you don't need to spoil any specific uh, happenings with the game, yeah. but just talk about your expectations versus the reality of that first game, which was 24 hours after you arrived. So you showed up Friday, game first game of the first tournament on Saturday. What were your expectations, and how were they changed? Uh, the expectations were, uh, I honestly thought that. Competition would be a little easier, which it wasn't. I thought that the quality of the gyms would be better, which it wasn't. And I thought that, I just thought that we weren't going to lose. Because, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't necessarily think that when you plan into the future. You know, so once a few of those things did happen, it's like, all right, I have to do some reevaluating. You know, let me be, let me come back down to reality and not what's in my head. And I really have to train. I really have to, you know, I have to pick things up. So that's when we started going to the gym. And when we were in like some mountainous areas, every morning I would wake up and run the mountains a few times up and down just to make sure that you know I can make the best out of my opportunity. Stay ready, of course, and. How about um, how about the locals, right? So when you watch the, the show and you watch the last shot on Viceland, you see that there's crowds at these games. You, you know, you're, you're playing in front of a crowd who has either an interest for you or a big interest against you. So what is the atmosphere like, and how did locals accept you and your teammates? Do you guys almost gain a sense of stardom at all, or not as much? Yeah, the cameras are around, man. It's like. Even if they, they didn't want us there, they wanted to be on TV. <laughs> they wanted to be on the camera. So I'm not going to say like there, there wasn't any negativity, 
you know, strong, like, you know, some people are like, hey, get out of our country, you know? Right. Get out of our country, especially they know that we're coming here to play basketball and say if we won the money when, you know, one of their local teams could have won. To be honest, like, from a societal standpoint, they needed the money more than we did, you know? Right. They needed the money more than we did, but I'm just too competitive to let that, you know, come in between. But just me as a person, I'm, you know, I realized that. And it even got, it even got, like, to a point where, like, you know, it started to get, like, really ugly. And I'm like, man, people do some, some horrific things for money, man. People do some horrific things for money. Wow. So, yeah, sure so my main right. thing go down there was to, you know, land a contract, not necessarily win money from tournaments. So I'm sure being exposed to a very different culture was a little eye-opening, to say the least. Uh, and you talked about now not just the basketball culture of New York and the U.S. versus the basketball culture of international in Spain and Mexico. Uh, but why, during all this time of traveling, do you get to follow basketball back here? Do you follow the NBA at all? Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of basketball. So, yeah, uh, anytime I watch TV, uh, I have to turn on three channels. And that's NBA TV, History Channel, or Viceland. You're a man from my own heart. NBA TV is one of my favorite channels. I'm a huge NBA fan. Uh, So we can talk about that in a little bit, maybe even about some of your favorite basketball memories growing up. But before we get deep into that, what I want to talk about more is some of the stuff that you're involved uh, involved with other than the last shot on Viceland and playing these tournaments in Mexico, which I really do recommend people checking out. I know I actually watched um, the first episode on YouTube, so it was super easy. Viceland put up one of the first episodes, and so check it out. Like, Go watch the show because you will be entrenched in it as soon as you start watching. It's nothing like you've ever seen before, and Cleo, I'm sure you can agree, it's nothing like you've ever done before. Is that right? Oh, man. This, this is... I think that that's the purpose of Vice. They want to expose what most people don't know about. So they definitely did their thing on this one. All right. They, All right. Exactly. It, it was serious, seriously something that after five minutes, I thought to myself, I never knew something like this existed, and it's fascinating. So I definitely recommend it. But let's talk about some of the other things that you do involve yourself with, one of those being training. So I mentioned hashtag train with Khalil. You can search it up on Twitter. You see some of your stuff. What inspired you to start this uh, this organization, and what drives you to keep it going to train these kids? All right. So when I was about nineteen, when I was in college, um, I made a, a good friend. Her name is Skylin's Lair. She played at St. John. She was the point guard there, and I saw her like she had this girl that she was training. Look at that. I'm looking at what she does, and I'm like, man, this is all the stuff coaches did for us. And then, like, over a course of period of time, I'm seeing this girl, she's, like, dedicated, and she gets better and better and better and better and better. So I'm like, oh, man, that's amazing. Like, you know what? I want to do this. Because even, like, any time I... Just because I, I made all my school teams and all the AAU teams, whatever they taught me in practice... I would come back and teach all my friends this, especially my next-door neighbor. He was actually the first person I started training, and I was at nine years old. Wow. Wow. 
everything that I learned in practice, I came home and I told him. He would be so mad at me. He would go inside and I'd come out for three days, you know, <laughs> give me the finger, F you, and the mother knows, like, hey, Stefan is mad. What did you do to him? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I had him running suicides in the street, you know? <laughs> but you were making him better. Yeah, I mean, I know he totally... I know he he tells me all the time he appreciates it because by the time he got to high school, you know, he he knew how to do everything. He had a left hand layup, right hand layup, you know, when to pass or not to, how to fake a pass to make it. Like he knew everything. How about the euro? Excuse me. Yeah, did he have the euro down? The euro? No, the euro <laughs> wasn't uh, that popular at that time. Because <laughs> you mentioned before how you do basketball moves through your house, you know, walk into the trash to go into the fridge. I love a little Euro step through my hallway. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> even going through the steps, even walking up the steps, it's like, man, my mom hates when I come in late at night because every time I'm on the steps, I, I take it like, you know, like a stairmaster, like I'm like I'm trying to get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> She's like, man, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I hear that, though. I really do. That, that's awesome, though, that you're train, training young youngins and uh, – you said that's a non-profit. So check that out. Look up hashtag train with Khalil, and that's K-H-A-I-L-I-L, just to, to clear that up as well. I also saw, though, that you dabble with some music and acting, and you kind of have your, your eggs and interests in a couple different baskets. What else right. What else you got going on right now? All right, so music. Uh, Shout-outs to my father for this. Uh, he played in a band growing up, and, you know, because of, you know, a certain situation that happened in his life, he had to, you know, prioritize what he was really passionate about and what needed to be done, you know? So I saw that he gave up the music when he was real passionate about it. But we, I always had a piano in my house since I was four years old. And my older brothers, they took piano lessons. I never took piano lessons. So, like, I learned by ear. So... Music was always different. I could pick up almost any instrument and be able to play a song just because I understand, like, the sounds. And so once I finished college, like, one of my friends, he has, like, a studio, right? You, you can hashtag it, too. It's called Dorm Room Heat or Black Market Beats, you know? Okay. And, like, I'm, I don't know what it is, but something just intrigued me so much about it. It's like, wow, this is a different type of music. It's not like strings or bells. It's like everything is, you know, done electronically through a computer. And then when it came to, like, the music part, I always wrote poetry. I never wanted to describe it as, like, rap music or hip-hop or R&B or whatever it was. It was poetry. So once I came in the studio learning how music went, I started helping making beats because I played the piano and it wasn't like I knew how to play classical. I knew how to play by ear. So whatever was felt at the moment, you know, you can go down in history. And then also um, with the poetry, you know, I try to get behind the mic. I think I'm all right, but I know that there's better talent out there that who can sing or, you know, they can talk better behind the mic or, you know, the delivery could be better. So a lot of my friends... They did that, but they wouldn't write down things. So I would give them my poems to perform songs and like open mics, or if they put it up on their SoundClouds and things like that. So it kind of worked out in a way. Like this kind of became like a side passion because music has always been like my getaway 
from you know the world other than basketball it was always basketball first then music but then i guess music is like it definitely picked up but everybody's always like hey so what you gonna do about the basketball i'm like last i checked basketball players get more than these rappers yeah for real (laughs) well it depends how big you get that's that's awesome that you're able to keep your side passion i mean uh, from from my perspective, I, I couldn't agree more because what, no matter what your day job may be, whether you love it and it is your passion and you're that lucky, or maybe it's something that you're not as passionate about, those side passions really keep you moving. And when you're down in the dumps, you can turn to them. And that's really cool that music is one of those things for you. And pretty interesting little background there. You know, you your brothers were the ones who had the lessons, but you kind of figured it out on your own. Uh, that's a pretty cool story. And we'll be able to put some of this stuff up on sportsblognewer.com. We'll post an article with this podcast. So if you want to check out some of the music and some of the training things that Khalil works on, they'll all be on sportsblognewyork.com and on Twitter. So we'll share all that stuff as well. Uh, let's keep talking now. We, we've gone for about 45 at this point. Uh, we can go for a little longer. You still good? You want to talk a little, a little music of your own interest, a little NBA? Anything you want to talk about, you can talk about. I have some topics of my own if you want to shift it around. Oh, of course. <laughs> what you want to do first. I'm open to anything. I'm happy that you're here. Again, Cleo McDonald, he's on Viceland's The Last Shot, and I'm open, man. If you have a topic that you want to talk about, let's do it. We can go one for one. You can go first. You can bring up a topic. We can right. chat, and let's then we can move on. Let's go two for one. You start it off. Okay. <laughs> so I'll start it off. Um, being from New York, Myself and you, I do need to ask: What was your basketball fanhood like as a kid? You have what's your favorite team? You have any players that you seriously looked up to? What was your your growing up basketball fanhood like? All right. Um, as far as the favorite team, because I'm from New York, I'm kind of forced to like in the Knicks, you know. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. Um, I don't have a favorite team in the NBA, and I never have. Because I'm just a fan of basketball. So I have this really big thing where I hate to lose. So I would never pick a team. Like so the Knicks? Like, <laughs> especially the Knicks, you know, with their <laughs> history, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, even, like, my friends, even if they place bets or anything, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of that because I hate to lose, you know? I'm just a fan. I like to see what the game is going to be like. And then when the result comes in, I'll be like, all right, yeah, that was a good game. You know? I do it for the more of the love of the sport. And um, as far as, like, my favorite players, I I could say my three, no, my top five, so to say, is um, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. That's why I wear number 21. It's like my yin and yang. Kevin Garnett is my aggressive side. Tim Duncan's the cool side, you know? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And then I have Tracy McGrady because I just love his, like, composure and how smooth he is and how he can score in bunches. And he has the talent, He has the talent, but he makes it look so easy. You know, I love Tracy McGrady. Um, Michael Jordan is by far my best, how he carries himself and he rep- represents himself so well. And then, like I said, I like Shaq and AI because Shaq's personality is just, like, whoa, amazing. You know, and Allen Iverson, the way that he affects people, not only on the court, not only on his team, but, you know, off the courts. I think that's just, I think that's a beautiful thing, and I, I like to do that same thing as well. That's real cool. And like you said about Shaq, the one thing that Shaq will always be is Shaq. So I hear that, man. That's really cool. Uh, and I, I, I hear you, too, on the NBA thing, because 
I will be honest, I am a Knicks fan, so I do, you know, follow them a little extra hard than everybody else, and I do watch them a little more than everyone else, but I'm a big fan of the NBA and basketball in general, so you're a man from my own heart. Uh, wait, so is this is this going two for one? So you want me to do one more topic, or you want to do one, and then we can do another one after? Yeah, two for one, man. <laughs> okay, because you, you said you got some topics. I, I like to be inclusive. I like to have a conversation. I think that's what we're doing so far. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a question for you, but I, I want to hear one more here. All right, yeah, so, you know, you talked about music. You talk about your making of music and how, you know, you like to play instruments and you've picked up a mic, you like to write. Very interesting. Now, what type of music do you listen to? Give me, you know, on two spectrums here, what's your, like, pre-game type music and then what's your, your chill your chill type music? Oh, man, so... When I say pregame, I mean before a basketball game, not before heading out. By the way. <laughs> so what is that? <laughs> That's funny. Um, before a game, oh man, I love to listen to some Fifty Cent. All right, I love some Fifty Cent, and I love Fifty Cent because not only is he from Queens, but it's like <laughs> he's so funny, man. He's so funny. I like how I like his wordplay. I like what he says like it could be comical but it's serious like i'm big on that on being like over enthusiastic because you get your point across without hurting people's feelings you know i hear that so i like i honestly i love 50 cent and he went to my high school as well so like some of the teachers have stories to talk about him and like i feel like i can like connect to him like 50 i like fabulous those are my two favorites and um and Biggie. There you go. Keep it on the East Coast, too. I like it. Yeah, you got to keep it in New York. But Biggie's best travelist is just so funny. And 50 is just amazing, man. If, if anyone, it'll be 50. Yeah. 50 the guy, man. I love it. And honestly, those three guys you mentioned, they're so versatile as artists. Like, I don't even want to just call them rappers because they make music. Right. They don't just rap. They have music that can suffice both of your needs like if you need a pump up song you can turn to 50 but if you're also just hanging out with your friends and you're trying to hang out you can throw on 50 and have a good time so that that's kind of like the best of both worlds right there right and um like if i'm not listening to those guys like i usually just listen to like either myself or the people who's like on my team because I try not to, like, fall out of our element of music because you listen to somebody, just naturally you're going to start, like, singing or rapping or, you know, making music like them. But if you listen to yourself over and over, you kind of stay within your own element. So we're, we're really, like, we, we really listen to a lot of in-house. Like, we play each other's music. We push each other's music. Like, you see, like, I push... Sometimes I push more of their music than mine, you know? Right. I mean, the best way to get stuff out there is through word of mouth, right? So you got to tell your boys, you got to be confident. You got to say, yo, my friend's got real talent. Listen to this. Check it out. I love that. I love spreading spreading, spreading through the word of mouth. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. There's so much talent in Queens. If you want to find talent, come to Queens. Yeah, I think what what we have to do, if we ever record any sort of thing again, we might have to do this next next time in person. <laughs> oh, man, that would be great. That would be Super, super stellar. Absolutely. Hey, I'm telling you, this is big. This is big for me. Trust me. This is big. And I love hearing people's stories, especially like when people take the time out to find out about me because you can see what we can relate to. And I, I definitely can relate to your story because I, I've been in situations where 
were like really good situations for me, but it wasn't my ideal position. Like, you know, like I worked on Wall Street, I worked for the Board of Ed. It wasn't necessarily that ideal positions, but it was also good. So I had to kind of step out and go out of my way to design a lifestyle that I wanted to live. And I see that's what you're doing. So I commend you, Mr. Peter Kennedy. I appreciate that. I really do. You know, I've never had anybody ask me a, a question like that on the podcast. So you, you're breaking many, many records, not true records here, but you're, you're starting a new trend on the Sports Blog Network podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the life of Khalil McDonald. Nice to meet you. That's right. And, you know, we'll end up in a few more minutes. But first, how about shout out your own Twitter? I mean, we'll have it on sportsblognewyork.com. We're going to retweet it on my personal Twitter, which is pkennedy2wise, as well as on sportblognyc, which is our website's Twitter. But shout out your Twitter. Shout out your training. And uh, give a little shout out to anything that you want to plug right now. All right. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the real Khalil Mick. That's MC. Khalil McDonald, the real Khalil Mick. You could um, find me on Instagram at Khalilionaire because I'm rich in myself. Hey. <laughs> All right, Train with Khalil. You could also see that on Instagram, Train with Khalil, or on Facebook, you know, and um, YouTube as well. Type in Khalil McDonald and you should see almost everything that's been going on as far as basketball, um, as far as training. And I'm about to put a bit of my personal life in there because I do feel it's kind of comedic, you know? Yeah. So if you can make, like, something, like, documentary type or, like, even small skits, and that's, that's what's next. So, I, I love I, it. I, I love it a lot. That's awesome. And, of course, you just shouted it all out. We'll also um, incorporate it into our post on sportsblognyard.com, on our Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, that's really cool. So you, you have interest in, interest in writing skits as well? What don't you have interest in? <laughs> You know, so funny. Uh, people always tell me I should stick with like one or two, one one thing, but I don't believe that. I feel like I could do a lot of things. It's all about what you can balance. So, like for the kids that I train, I try to tell them to balance like two or three things, and then as you get better at balancing, you know, like an X amount, then you could, you know, increment and you could pick up more things to balance. But there's no limit to how much things you could do. Because, you know, some people can do five things in one day. Some people can't even do one thing in one day. But at the end of the day, like, you have to you have to complete your task. Absolutely. That, that's really interesting. And I know, I don't know if you're a fan of this person or not, but when you just described there, reminds me of somebody who I'm not even going to call an artist or an actor or a writer. But are you, you a fan of Childish Gambino by any chance? Childish Gambino, you know what's so funny? One of my friends is like, Yo, you should listen to him. Like, I think you, you and him will have a lot in common. I was like, you know what? Get his number, then I'll talk. Why did you say that? Okay, so why I say that is because it reminds me of what you just described. So he, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, same guy, right? So he yeah. is, I'm not even going to call him a rapper because he's made, he, he's made an album that almost is like gospel. He's made an album that's R&B. That's pop. That's rap. He's done a lot in music, but then he's you know written for Thirty Rock, which is a great TV show. He acted on Community, which is another TV show on NBC. He now has his own show called Atlanta, which if you haven't watched, is a fantastic show, and that's on FX. And he writes, directs, stars in it. And now he's going to be in Star Wars. And he's always said since I first heard of him, which was probably maybe five or six years ago, 
uh, he's always said in interviews when the people call him a rapper, he goes, oh, you know, uh, I don't consider myself that because I have more interest. I have more things I want to do. So I don't want to get put in a box. And that's kind of what you just described to me. And from my own experience, I've learned that even if you have one job, that one job is going to have multiple different uh, tasks to it, right? So even if you have one, you're going to be balancing stuff. So for the people you're training, I think that's great advice. To be able to balance stuff is so important and prioritize and all of that stuff. And uh, Donald Glover was like the one huge example that popped into my head because he's done so much in his career already. You know what? You you kind of just made me become a fan of him. Because <laughs> I, I've seen I Trust me, I knew who he is and I heard his music. But I didn't know that he was doing all of this. And you can just see that and it's like inspiration. Like I aspire to be like that. Absolutely. Yeah, check it out, man. Check out all his albums. I'm a big fan of his music and obviously his shows as well. Uh, that show Atlanta was probably one of my top two or three shows of 2017 or 16. I guess it came out in 16, but still. Just made me a fan. I'm gonna check them out. But now, you know, let's let's uh, close out. We've been talking for a while now. It's been fantastic. First off, thank you so much for coming on the Sports Blog Newark podcast. But what can you close out with? Why should people watch the last shot on Viceland? Uh, other than it being totally awesome, man, this is a great show. We have a great staff. I mean, the people who put it together, I think they're the ones that really should be getting the credit because. You know, they made this all possible. And then um, from the staff and to my teammates, you know, uh, we did what we were supposed to do. So that's, that's I just think it's an amazing job all around. Um, people should definitely watch the show. It brings something different. If you play basketball or if you just love the game of basketball, it's definitely something that you can relate to or you can learn things about it. You can learn what it's like being a ball player, being away from home living in different in, in uh, different conditions, you know, mingling with different people. So if you watch the show, it'll definitely blow your mind. And my, my bet is if somebody is listening an hour into this podcast, they're already sold. So our job should be easy at this point. But my last point to it is that obviously you know this better than me, but from my perspective of just watching the show, the show seems about as real as it possibly can. Like, it is real. And Viceland kind of special specializes in making things real and trying to show the true colors of it. So, right. to me, that's another great reason to watch it because you're going to see something authentic. Can you agree with that? Oh, man, yeah. It's, it's, it's really a doc. It's not a fictional documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the real documentary, guys. Like, Viceland did an amazing job. Jigsaw Production did an amazing job. They did an amazing job just watching it. I didn't even expect for it to be this amazing. I didn't expect for it to be this good because I kind of know what happened, but how it's like, how it's put out, it's even more beautiful. It's, it's, it's different. It's different. Well, that's awesome. So again, that is The Last Shot, and it's on Viceland. Where can people find it? All right, so you can, um, if, you, if you haven't seen the first episode that's on YouTube, you can download the Viceland app. That's the best way. Uh, download the Viceland. All the episodes are free there. As um, Once you put in your cable provider, you put in your username and your password, which almost everyone has now, Absolutely. You, can, you can watch it. I believe um, you could also watch it on demand. So, like, if you have files or something, uh, my mother, she watches on demand all the time. 
even the other day, I watched it on the PlayStation Store. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you know, I was on PlayStation. I'm clicking and I'm watching networks. So I, I go to networks. You go to Viceland, and the last shot is there. And you can watch it. Does it so, feel like a scent that like you made it? Are you? Do you feel like a star at all right now? This show's a, kind of a big deal. It's pretty cool. Um, I wouldn't say a star because I didn't get to accomplish. Even though this is an accomplishment, I didn't get to accomplish a lot of the things that I, I have personally or I would like to accomplish. So I can't say a star, but I can definitely say I'm high off life, you know? So high off life that, you know, if someone comes in as negative, I can automatically spot it out because, like, there's not much negativity happening in my life, you know? So I'm, I'm really on a high off life right now that I don't see almost anything wrong in, like, this happiness. No one can spoil my joy right now. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, the show, The Last Shot, has possibly just begun, but the show of Khalil McDonald has truly just begun. As you said, you have so much more to accomplish in your life. And on behalf of myself and the rest of Sports Blog New York, we wish you the best of luck, man, and, and thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me, and, you know, thanks for everyone who made this possible. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Any last words to the SBNY podcast listeners, Khalil? Hey, hope you guys have a great day. Um, thanks for listening to me. Um, this is like... My birthday was two days ago, so this is the best birthday present anyone could ever give me. So just thanks for hearing me out, giving me a chance, and check out the show. Absolutely, man. And happy birthday. I didn't even know. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I actually turned infinity two days ago. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah, I'm trying to live forever. (laughs) I hear you, man. Who isn't? Well, anyways, this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. On behalf of Cleo McDonald, I am Peter Kennedy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this fine podcast. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you again, Khalil, and have a great day. All right, take care.